0: along with my colleague, Bob Cobble. And we're coming to you live from the Municipal Auditorium right here in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And Bob, this is what we've all been waiting for. Jim, we've been waiting for this a long time. We've been looking forward to it. What an afternoon, fans. we got nine great matches in store. Five of them are going to be championship matches. The odds tell us, Jim, some of those championships are going to be changing hands. All of the matches are going to be hotly contested, and the winners, well, they can go to anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be an afternoon I'm sure you'll never forget.
1: Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, happy anniversary. Yesterday, September 2nd, marks the one-year anniversary of posting the first episode of yeah, the retro wrestling podcast so yeah
2: absolutely we haven't hit our 52 episode our 52nd episode will i'm sure we're going to do something major but, yeah we'll uh, try
1: and figure something out
2: for but it. yeah we uh we have hit our one year anniversary of doing time wise it. it's been one year wow it has time flies Time flies when you're stuck in a podcast studio. They don't let us do anything but watch wrestling. and We can and, only
1: go back in time.
2: Yeah, it's, we're, we're, it's worse than jail in here, man. We can only go outside and we get one hour of daylight and watch wrestling indoors and stay in our little radio studio all the time. Thanks for one great year. Awesome, yeah. Here's no, to hey, one great more. We're gonna have more more than one. I guarantee it. We got a message from Ric Flair that is going all over the internet, stating that he is uh, doing better. Yeah, he's wearing a shirt that says "I'm not dead yet, motherfucker." Which is hilarious,
1: and he looks like he has been through a war. I mean, he, he,
2: yeah, he looks very gaunt. He uh, and they still had the uh, they had thing in his hand. Well, and his like, and his arm too. They had the 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 IV plugins. So, um, well, it's good to see him up he, and talking. He looks good. Uh, he looks like
1: given what happened, he looks good. Yeah,
2: yeah, because he was at one point in time he was given about twenty percent chance of living.
1: Yeah, things weren't looking too good there for a while. He's gotten enough strength to make a video and promote his t-shirt selling business. So Yeah. He's a true wrestler through and through. By God, if I make it through the surgery, I'm going to sell some t-shirts. I'm going to make some money. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good to see uh, Rick Flair. He's very important uh, to the world of wrestling and the world in general.
2: Yeah. If, you know, God forbid we ever do lose Rick. uh I don't know how the world would react. The wrestling world, that would be a major blow.
1: He has a wealth of knowledge that can never be replicated.
2: No. This is why he's so important. And yeah,
1: losing Ric Flair would be tremendously bad. And uh, I'm glad that he's doing okay. And Charlotte is back on SmackDown, so he must be doing well enough for her to feel comfortable
2: going back to work. Going back on the road, yeah. Um, Speaking of SmackDown, JBL announces today... That he is uh, going to leave the announced table of SmackDown.
1: This was the best news I've heard in a long time. <laughs> there is so much dire stuff in the news with Hurricane Harvey and yeah. North Korea shooting missiles uh, over the causing earthquakes with missiles. But this was by far the best news I heard in a, quite a long time, yeah. is that JBL will not be on SmackDown. And this, I'm not even talking about just all the the bullying accusations and just... And JBL in general. I've never liked his commentary. I've never I don't think he really has ever added anything to the commentary. A lot of times he just goes, Ha ha, yeah. You know, he just Yeah. Yeah. Is there I mean, is there a favorite JBL on commentary moment that you can even remember? No. I mean
2: mm, No, I remember well, I think it was WrestleMania when he stumbled. That's about it. As he's walking out to the table. That's pretty much it. Wow. Now, I mean, on the microphone, do you remember any memorable yeah, no, call? or No, nothing.
1: I actually, the only time I thought he did a decent job and I gave him some credit is when WrestleMania 30 rolled around and Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar. I thought that JBL's tone when it was apparent that is about to lose this match, I thought he did a really good job then. But outside of that... I don't yeah. have much to say about JBL as when a commentator. You, when
2: you go back and look at that, that is true. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, when you go back and look at that. Him, and Michael Cole, counting down the one, two, three there, and just letting it kind of simmer throughout the building. It was they did a great job as yeah, was, the, <laughs> as the voice of that that moment. They
1: did a great job when they didn't talk and let it sink in.
2: Well, yeah, but then you know you have him, you have JBL come back in, you know, saying. Yeah, that's it. Streak's dead.
1: Yeah, JBL, uh, going to work with some charities or something along he's, the uh, He's
2: going to go and give more time to at-risk kids in Bermuda. So uh, apparently that's... He just wants to go on vacation. He li- want, he likes to go over there and help with the kids and try to, try to help uh, build up the community over there in Bermuda. And he always has and he feels like the wrestling business is keeping him from being able to do the uh, as much work as he possibly could. So he's going to go over there and, and do it more full-time. He will be back, however, for special occasions like Tribute to the Troops, WrestleMania, SummerSlam Survivor Series, and Royal Rumble. Yeah.
1: Ric Flair is up and talking, and JBL's not talking anymore.
2: The wild-eyed Southern boy, Tracy Smothers, celebrating his birthday so how
1: old is tracy smothers now
2: tracy is in his 60s i do believe no tracy smothers is only 55 years old 55 okay i was thinking early 60s yeah
1: 55 he just turned 55
2: i was thinking he was right around there with rick uh shout out to tracy man yeah full-blooded italian that's right yeah
1: never forget
2: how can you be an italian and a southern boy I, I don't... I've never... It's weird how that works. Yeah. Well, it's like, how can you be American and be a Russian? Or how
1: can you be Bulgarian and be a Russian? That's true. How can you be Canadian and be Indian at the
2: same time? It's it's weird how this yeah. works. Yeah. How can you be Canadian and American like Chris Jericho? So, you know. That's right. Your girl, Barbie Blank, a.k.a. Kelly Kelly. Kelly Kelly, yeah. She was robbed of over $50,000 in... uh. Clothing, purses, and jewelry out of her storage hall, uh, where she, close to her home, where she would store extra stuff that she didn't want. Oh,
1: of course, your storage hall. You have one of those, uh, her, don't yeah, you? Yeah,
2: yeah her her storage her storage facility. <laughs> And uh public storage in El Segundo, California. Yes.
1: That's what I just saw. Public okay, so storage. it was it was at a public it was at like one of those places you see on the street. Yes. It was I was thinking it was like at her house. She had No, no. A storage facility she, on site for all of her purposes It was
2: more it what it was was uh it was more of her, her wrestling attire, stuff that she did back when wrestling and stuff that she would do that uh She would break out whenever she would come to Hall of Fame, things like that. It's it's stuff from her wrestling career, basically, or or a net worth of over $50,000 was stolen out of it. When the police went to question the owner of the facility, the owner says, Oh, we don't have cameras.
1: Yeah, a lot of storage places are like that. I didn't have $50,000 worth of stuff, but my family had a storage, one of those storage units. Uh, across town here, and you could walk through there and see where bolt, someone's come with bolt cutters and cut just locks off these things and gotten into them. That's crazy. And the companies, they don't care. Nah. I mean, it's not, I'm not sure, I don't think that stuff's insured by them. I think you're just SOL if it gets yeah. taken. And so that's why they do why put up a camera if I don't care? It's not my stuff. It happens all the time. And if you don't pay your bill, they'll sell it and make all the money themselves. <laughs> they, yeah,
2: they will. Storage wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, so, that sucks uh, for her. Hate to hear that, but also, you know, if you have fifty thousand dollars worth of bags or whatever, don't just keep it in public storage of
2: hand of, hand, of like custom purses and jewelry and yeah. No, I agree. Or uh, keep it at home. I I have I don't have very many things of value, but I wouldn't keep
1: it at a storage unit.
2: I don't want to say it's a dumb blonde move, but why would you leave that kind of stuff just in a public storage i if it was that important kind of stuff i feel like i would want to a put it in my own home or b put it in somewhere where i knew it would be actually well took care of make sure they had cameras and security and things like that yeah she's got enough money where she could have it on
1: site no one to blame but yourself sometimes what was she gonna <laughs> do with that stuff right someone actually kind of did her a favor because she was hoarding all this stuff Unless I guess she's going to hand it down to her children one day. Like, yeah, here you go. Stuff that's way outdated. Could be ring attire, whatever. You never know. So, uh, well, that I mean, her ring attire, there wasn't much fabric to it. So, no, no there wasn't. Wouldn't be much to, uh, I mean, her debut on that ECW show was being naked, basically. So, yeah, uh, that was her gimmick. She couldn't get her bra off that day. Maybe that was in there. The bra that wouldn't unlock the extra
2: hook or something in it. She so. couldn't
1: figure it out, so she had to lift it up. And then that's when Mike Knox came
2: out to cover her up. You remember that way too well.
1: Well, I've watched the first episode of WWE CW like two or three times now, so really, yeah. I watched it live. when that first episode, I, I watched, totally forgot. That I watched part.
2: it, I watched it all live too, but I don't remember hardly any of it. No, well, it's on the network now, so when you got when you get a minute, I just continue. remember Balls Mahoney doing the uh, the strip poker night. Yeah, they, they that was hilarious. Poker. But other than that, I don't remember anything of WWE's ECW. Well, yeah, you're not missing much. So, did you watch any of the May Young Classic? I have not yet. No, I I checked
1: don't. out the first episode. I really enjoyed Jr.'s commentary. Uh, he's the commentator for it. Lead on the other hand, ooh man. I mean, she doesn't get in the way too much, but when she does chime in, it's just like, nah.
2: See, I would have thought Lita and JR, that'd be a great team.
1: Yeah, well, JR can't work magic with everybody. And uh, the first episode I thought was really good, and there was it was all shot at NXT, and so the, it's a small venue. Uh, it's edited well, so that way if the people screwed up, they can... That's one thing I do liked about pre-taped stuff instead of it airing live is because you know there's no mistakes it's perfect they can get the best camera angles jazzy gabbert i believe was her name she's been in tna she wrestled she was like one of odb's minions she wrestled in the first episode she was like match three or four man they gotta sign this lady because yeah she looks like ivan drago from rocky like this big like musk Muscly, like just powerhouse. Okay, yeah, I know you're talking about. She's got like a blonde, like mohawk, almost like. Yeah. She's like big and German, and she is just fucking scary. Yeah. And like she was over. Like as soon as she walked out, people are like, "Whoa!" Like it's been a while since since like I guess uh, big muscular women. Yeah. Like uh, awesome Kong. What's her name that just went in the Hall of Fame? Edge's wife. Oh, uh, Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix was probably the last and she wasn't even all that like bodybuilder physique like but she was just a bigger woman and like so it's been a long time since i've seen a woman with a body type like that yeah. in the in the company and she lost her first round match so so she's out of the tournament but that she was really impressive
2: four episodes are on there there'll be another four i think on monday really uh, enjoying it it'd be nice if they carried the finals over to like survivor series I think they should just put him on
1: SmackDown. Honestly, like put them on TV. I don't know. So this week was your pick for our retro wrestling review.
2: Yeah. Again, you, you want to set it up well, here? Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. All right. So we went. We you picked last show. You picked the Shy Town Rumble, which was Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair one. We went ahead and skipped Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair two. And we, my pick this week was. The final. Of the the final. The, the third. So we went to Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, Wrestle War, 1989, to see who is finally going to end this great rivalry, year long build. Once and for all. Once and for all. This is for all the Marvels. Who's the champ, who's not.
1: If Flair loses, the stipulation is he can't challenge Steamboat again. Yeah. So his back's up against the wall here. We head to Nashville Municipal Auditorium, which is one of the rare old school stadiums that's still standing today, built in 1962. It was one of the first public assembly facilities in the Mid-South that had air conditioning. What a concept. Yeah, buddy. And so it still stands today. It holds about 9,000 people at capacity. It's May 7th, 1989, in front of 5,200 nwa fans it's a big crowd
2: it is a big crowd it doesn't look like it but it's a big crowd it doesn't sound like it either but if you know how small this venue is believe it or not that's a huge crowd for it music
1: city showdown of course yes the main storyline being rick flair and ricky steamboat but for some reason patrick this was not going to be the last match on this card despite one of the best feuds in wrestling flair and steamboat they wouldn't be going on last you're right. The varsity club would be going for not one but two NWA tag team belts tonight. Yeah. The World Tag Titles and the United States Tag Titles. So we get a twangy twang intro, country music style for Music City USA, showing us all the stars of WrestleWar eighty nine, including those NWA stars. The Oak Ridge Boys. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. From Oak Ridge, Tennessee, the Oak Ridge Boys. Which is like a bluegrass band. Classic country slash bluegrass, yeah. They're actually really good to see in concert, if you haven't. They're I, still on tour. They are. These Oak Ridge I have, boys. I have seen them in concert.
1: They have yeah. a concert on the pay-per-view, but it's cut out of the network version. But they do sing us the national anthem. We do get that. Yes. Which I, again, skipped. Which I was, I was
2: actually going to watch the concert. I hate you were this. excited. I was, actually. I was like, <laughs> one, con- you. one concert I'm finally going to enjoy watching on a wrestling yeah, show. Yeah, it's no Pitbull and Flow Rida. Yeah, no.
1: So you order this pay-per-view, you know, you gather around with your family. You're saying, oh, man, I can't wait for the hair-versus-hair match between Kevin Sullivan and Eddie Gilbert. That's all I want to see. Well, JR tells us there won't be
2: a hair-versus-hair match tonight. Nope. The NWA board said they didn't want it. Which is also one of the reasons why that was supposed to be the main event. What the fuck, Patrick? I mean... That was literally... Who
1: opposed the hair versus hair match? Of all the stupid gimmicks we see that get
2: approved, somebody put their foot down and said no. That was going to be the main event, which then turned into a tag team match, which you're going to have the first family taking on the varsity club. Did Sullivan not want to cut his hair, I guess? I think that's it. Because I know Eddie Gilbert wasn't. Well, I mean, Gilbert was going to go over. So Hot stuff Eddie Gilbert was not cutting that mullet. And, and so, Kevin Sullivan needs a fucking haircut. And so... This
1: would have done wonders for him.
2: I really think that's one of the reasons it got turned into a tag title match instead of a uh, the hair versus hair like it was supposed to have been. Oh, but the bait and switch doesn't start there, Patrick, because Junkyard Dog was supposed to be in our
1: opening match. I guess he didn't want to do the job. To Great Muda, who's out with Gary Hart. Now, Great Muda's on an undefeated streak. Yes,
2: but his opponent, a good friend of mine, dangerous Doug Gilbert, the uh, younger brother of Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, who still wrestles to this day, by the way. That's right. Nick Patrick is the
1: referee. Muda karate kicks Gilbert, and Green misses the air. What a waste of that missed! Gilbert hits a crossbody and a drop kick that sends Muda reeling to the outside. Muda hits the back handspring elbow to Gilbert in the corner, a move made famous by China. Muda hits a backbreaker and tries a moonsault, but lands on his feet when uh, Gilbert moves out of the way. He dropkicks Gilbert out of the ring, lands a flying body press to Gilbert on the outside, rolls him in, hits the moonsault, and wins, keeping his undefeated streak going in a wonderful opening match, considering the opening match we got at Chi-Town Rumble that went like 15 minutes. This is the way to open a pay-per-view. I and don't care it was. I don't care that it was a squash match.
2: No, but it was Doug, Doug did good. Doug got his blows in, and it was yeah. A, he got two hits in and a crossbody. Yeah, I mean Doug for a quick match. Doug got Doug got his shine, and then um, he got a payday.
1: He wasn't supposed to work tonight.
2: Then so. yeah, but anyone who knows me knows Muda. I think Muda is just one of the most underrated legends of all time. I was thrilled to see that Muda was I was the thrilled the match took three minutes.
1: I can't get any match that takes three minutes and is a definitive win and a loss for somebody. I'm like, good. Yeah. Good to go. That's fine. I'll take that any day other than a 15-minute opener that with Russian assassin number one. Fuck right <laughs> off. Eddie Gilbert comes to the ring to protect his little brother. He does. But Muda doesn't attack him or anything. So. No. Rick Flair is in the back and gives Lance Russell an interview. He says he's got the style to profile like never before. He puts Steamboat over as the greatest wrestler in the world, but says he has to beat me one more time because I'm the man. That's true.
3: Later today, Rick Flair will be going, as many people say, for the final time for the World Heavyweight title. For a man who's won it five times, Rick. How does this extra pressure affect you?
4: Well, what it tells me, Lance Russell, is today, woo, I've got the style and profile like never before. Steamboat, let me go on record as telling the whole world you are the greatest wrestler on the face of this earth. But, pal, today, right here, you got to beat Ric Flair one more time. Remember, Steamboat? And, pal, I'll kiss your boots if you can do it. But to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. Ric Flair
3: and Steamboat, you're going to be mine. Woo! Let's go right now to the ring.
1: Butch Reed is out next to take on paratrooper Ranger
2: Ross. Okay, now time out. I know a lot about wrestling history. <laughs> you and me have talked. I know a like, I've I'm, never heard I'm, you bring up I'm Ranger pretty Ross much, before. I'm pretty much a wrestling encyclopedia to some degree. Who the hell is Ranger Ross? It's a good question, Patrick. He was an actual paratrooper from what I read. Okay.
1: So they signed him, I guess, hoping. By the way, these army gimmicks never
2: work out. Never. Sergeant ever, Slaughter. Ever, yeah. Ever since Slaughter, they feel like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to work. No. No. Never does.
1: From Cobra to Corporal Kirshner to Recon to, uh,
2: geez, there were so many in WCW. Well, Iceberg at one point in time turned into uh, Iceberg. Yeah, you mean Ice Train? Oh, Ice Train. I'm sorry. There
1: were so many of them. I I, I can't even. I can't remember them all because they all just blend in together. Yeah. Because you have to be more than just a soldier you know yeah. that'll get you like an initial yay it's a soldier but then what have you got what have you got for me so ranger ross here turns out to be a future bank robber in 1996 really he robbed a bank he he quit wrestling in 91 took a few years off i guess and then decided to go on a bank robbing spree and uh, got got caught for a couple of bank robberies did some time
2: he's out of jail now but uh, yeah, future bank robber here. We need to get Ranger Ross on, on the radio show. I would love to hear this story.
1: I don't think I want to talk to a bank
2: robber. That seems very dangerous. No. Ross, he wouldn't do that to us.
1: We're, we're nice people. Also, one thing that's going to prevent Ranger Ross from getting over is his size. He is so skinny and frail compared yeah. to... You but, put him in there next to Butch Reed.
2: I mean, he's in good shape for his size, but yeah... He has no muscular build next to Butch Reed. Butch Reed is jacked. Yeah. Teddy Long, holla holla, I guess he got fired
1: for his bad officiating. He did. In the Chi Town Rumble. So he is coming back now. Which he didn't really do that they but all the refs on Chi Town Rumble did a bad job. Actually I don't so I don't know the storyline
2: reason why he got fired other than Flair was probably upset because he counted the three on Flair. This was his way of going into management and stepping out of the role of of being a referee. Yeah, so he comes to ringside. He's got some paper. He's taking some notes. He's scouting some talent. He's scouting maybe a future Doom member. It's
1: almost like modern WWE here because they start doing fan cutaways just like WWE (laughs) does it now. I can't even watch the match because... We're watching people pick their nose in the front row. Reed puts a headlock on Ross with leverage from the ropes, which, by the way, wouldn't add any leverage to a headlock. Just laying your leg
2: on the ropes can yeah, you? it slides, it slides the, it slides the arm under the mm. throat even more. Okay, and cuts off the air circulation, okay. and you pretty much put him to sleep. Oh, okay, sure. By choking them out, <laughs> right? Teddy is
1: proud of his visitor's badge. He shows it to the camera. Hey, I'm a visitor, but he. A visitor's
2: badge wouldn't get you ringside access. Well, he was told he wasn't allowed at any more... NWA events. NWA events, and so with a press pass or a visitor's badge, he's able to get in there. Ranger Ross hits a nice European
1: takeover and then does some karate chops on Reed, followed by a pair of drop kicks that sends Reed outside. Reed quickly recovers, suplexes the paratrooper back into the ring, hits a top rope shoulder block, and wins the match... Ranger Ross dishonorably discharged in six minutes, 59 seconds, as uh, he never had a chance here against Reed. No. And uh, neither of them really showed me much in this match to put to memory. That's why Ranger Ross, you didn't even know who he was, because there was nothing here. No, I
2: really didn't know who he was, which is sad, because I pretty much know everything. That's true. You think you do. When it comes to wrestling, most everything.
1: Lance Russell is backstage with Lex Luger, who asks him if he's prepared. Lex reads off the teleprompter, as he usually did, and cuts a promo on Michael Hayes. He says Hayes doesn't have what it takes.
3: Michael Hayes, Lex, has uh, been known as unpredictable. He has said he is going to do this challenge for your title all by himself. Um, Are you prepared, though, for all of the things that Hayes has done in the past? Lance, this
4: is what you call a showcase event. This is in front of millions of viewers this is what makes you as competitive athlete tick. Now Michael Hayes has been running his mouth for a long time now. And Michael Hayes, it is put up or shut up time. You said you could do it on your own. You haven't shown me that. That's not your track record. Well, this is your opportunity in front of millions of viewers to show everybody that you got what it takes to win this, the US Heavyweight Championship. And Michael Hayes, this means more to me than anything in this world. It means a lot to a lot of fans who I represent, who I feel I represent, and Michael Hayes, I don't think you got what it takes to take what I got. So Michael Hayes, bring on everything you got because I got your adrenaline flowing, my blood pumping. I'm going to walk out of that ring as a U.S. heavyweight champion.
3: Let's go right now to the ring. We go back to the ring. Dick
1: Murdoch is already in the ring to take on Cowboy Bob Orton. Oh, yeah, buddy. With Gary Hart in a bull rope match, which we've already seen one in our reviews here. Starcade 85, I yes. think it was. Uh, we've already seen the Texas Bull Rope match, a
2: much better one than this one, by the way. This was not uh, very good here. No, I think uh, Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard, that's that's without a doubt the greatest. Oh, that was an I Quit strap match. Yeah, yeah. that was, with any type of a bull rope or a strap involved, That that by far in comparison is the number one up there. That's that's Mick Foley, Hell in a Cell right there. I kind
1: of hate that because you have a redneck or a cowboy gimmick, they immediately, like, bull rope match. That's <laughs> what we're putting you in. Like, you don't get a choice.
2: You're, that's true, because JBL had, like, six of them during yeah, the... Yeah, you were a cowboy the Smackdown, the SmackDown Championship run, That he had, like, six of them, so... And when he was in the APA, they did barroom brawl matches yeah. or whatever.
1: Like, so... Guys, it's okay. They can do other stuff than, than what they're
2: cliched. Well, you got Cowboy Bob Orton. Of course. Redneck Dick Murdoch. Redneck Dick Murdoch. I mean, nothing beats a, a bull rope for for those two guys. Whew. These guys just did not
1: put on a good match here.
2: Really? I love this match.
1: They tug-of-war for a while before Murdoch throws some rights. Orton fights back and pulls Murdoch out of the ring. Murdoch quickly gets the upper hand, but Orton fights back with eye rakes that slows Murdoch down. Murdoch takes his cowboy boot off and slams it into the head of Orton to a big pop from the Nashville crowd. They love boots. Yeah. And that's true because if you ever go to Broadway in Nashville, there's boot stores left and right in between all the bars. So I think the boot was more over than both of these guys. They just love boots in Nashville.
2: Dick uh, Murdoch, I believe it had a few beers before going to the ring, though. Oh man, Dick Murdoch is one of the ugliest men. Not <laughs> oh, just in wrestling. On. This dude Dick Murdoch is, is He is a hideous. Legend.
1: He looks like a zombie. So Murdoch whips Orton to the corner and decks him with the boot for a two count. Orton goes to the top turnbuckle, but gets hogtied by Murdoch, who drops a few elbows and then covers him for the win. He's hogtied, he can't really yeah. kick out. When you're hogtied, I mean that's Pretty That's much it. it. You can't kayfabe kick out of that. No. Then Gary Hart runs in and tries to jump Murdoch. Murdoch fights him off but succumbs to the numbers game. And Orton gets all his heat back by putting the boots to Murdoch. This shall continue, especially when Orton lynches Murdoch with the rope. The bull rope. He hangs yes. Murdoch he to die. He throws
2: over the top rope and, and literally proceeds to hang him.
1: And the refs, Patrick... Referee Patrick Young has to go hug Dick Murdoch and lift him up to take the pressure off. I of.
2: was. I was lifting him up hoping that he could <laughs> get a little glimpse of air there. And Dick Murdoch is a big man. He's heavy to pick up, just FYI. so Saved his life. I did. That's what I do. Uh, this match,
1: to me, I'm, I'm sorry to, to be the guy that you know, because really I don't like Blade Jobs a lot. Like I, They're gross. Um... They leave you scars in your forehead, but this match needed some violence to it.
2: Like during the match, I agree. The hanging could have taken place during the match. They weren't given enough time, I don't think, because this was a quick bullrope. Oh match. yeah, they weren't given I mean, enough time. Were, but it was like five minutes, if that.
1: Yeah, and they didn't. They just didn't have the kind of hatred. They blew, you're supposed to build up to this. Well,
2: they blew through most of these matches to to leave enough time for Flair Steamboat. Yeah, and so. They weren't really given well, him...
1: and for fifteen minutes for fucking Lex Luger coming up.
2: Yeah, they weren't really given enough time. However, it I agree with you. It would have been nice that first boot shot when he hit oh, him. Oh, especially yeah. Oh, and it just It just slices him open, and he you know the that would have been a great moment. But uh it would have added something to this match because yeah. I just didn't feel the
1: the rivalry between yeah. these guys. In fact, it seems like they should be friends because they're just cowboys, you know. They I, don't. I kind of wanted to see Bob Orton throw an RKO
2: just out of nowhere. <laughs> you were waiting, <laughs> but no. I uh, I enjoyed the match. Uh, it was I fine. Th- it, this is like a
1: bull rope match.
2: If like Raw had a bull rope match, it would be yeah. five minutes and be about like this without the hanging at the, the end. The PG era, no blood, no. We can't actually use too much of the rope because... Or
1: the bell. The cowbell was like not used at all. Yeah, the cowbell
2: was not even used at all.
1: Unlike, oh man, that was gruesome, that one we saw where (laughs) they're just like digging into each other's head with the cowboy bell, or cowboy bell. The cowbell needs more cowbell. We go backstage with Lance Russell again. He's with Michael Hayes. Hayes says he has what it takes.
3: Michael P.S. Hayes has said he can do it on his own. The founder of the Freebirds has said by himself. Now, does that mean without brass knucks and everything else, Michael? Let me tell you exactly what it
5: means. Lex Luger comes out here two times, United States heavyweight champion, and has the audacity to say that Michael P.S. Hayes ain't got what it takes to take what he's got. Let me tell you something, pal. It's too late now. In just a matter of moments, Jack, you're gonna find out what I've got and just exactly what I'm gonna take from you. Because I'm gonna squelch all the skepticism and all the media like you that say that I don't have the credentials to do it on my own. I did everything in tag team wrestling, but not in singles. Today you'll see no Terry Gordy, no Buddy Robbers, just Michael P.S. Hayes and remember this, Lex Luger. If it wasn't for people like you, there wouldn't be people like me.
3: And now, back to the ring. Paul
1: Dangerously brings out his Samoan SWAT team. Hello, my name is Paul E. Dangerously. And these are the Samoan SWAT teams and yada yada.
5: For those of you who don't know by... The tag team that destroyed your precious Midnight Express, Shamu Vatu the St. Samoan Swate.
2: Big debut. It's time <laughs> for the
1: Dynamic Dudes. The 1980s, the late 80s, early 90s, come screaming down the aisle way as the Dynamic Dudes, Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace, with their neon, very low-cut Speedos. These Speedos were a little much for me. And their jackets and their bleach blonde, mullet, shaved head mullet, and their skateboards. skateboards. They are Bart Simpson
2: coming yeah, to the really, ring. They are.
1: That's. The, I mean, that must have been the idea. Is like, they are. The They're Simpsons would have been just coming on TV at this point. That's
2: true. Bart Simpson. They, yeah, that is very
1: true. Someone probably saw it and was like, done. We got your gimmick. Great,
2: great gimmick right there.
1: And uh, yeah, whoo, boy, turn down the volume on those outfits, boys. You look at Shane Douglas,
2: and I'm like, why did you go along with that? Well, he was all he went along with Dean Douglas
1: in the that's WWF. True. So that's
2: true. Johnny Ace, I can understand. Oh,
1: Johnny Ace, yeah, he'll just do whatever. But.
2: but but Shane Douglas, I'm like, ooh, man, I don't know about that. That's it's still crazy to think that.
1: Johnny Ace is Road Warrior Animal's brother. Like when you look at the two of them. Yeah, like,
2: and he's married now to Nikki Bella. Yeah, that's right. He's the so he's an in law. The Patriot to in-law, soon to soon be in law. Soon to be to be in law with, uh, with with with. Uh, he's already
1: in laws with Daniel Bryan, yeah. and he's soon to be in laws with John, John Cena. Cena. So this is a this, weird this family, wrestling. This
2: family tree is actually starting because I was thinking this when it came out. I was like. This family tree starting to have some really weird forks coming out of it, <laughs> yeah. man. This is... It's move, strange. Move over hearts. It's this bizarre. This wrestling yeah. family's taking
1: over. The dynasty. <laughs> one day people will talk about Johnny Ace as they did about Stu Hart. That's <laughs> yeah. <and> crazy. <laughs> Bob Cottle gets a little racist here and he says he thinks the Samoan SWAT team belong in a cage. <laughs> that is like one of... Very not politically correct today. That's Roman Reigns and wild. Superman punch him. They're wild and crazy. Oh, that oh, I see. Not because they're Samoan? No, it's because okay. they're wild and lunatic and crazy. And... The di- As I mentioned, the Dynamic Dude Speedos are just cut. So, I mean, these are like... They're not thongs in the back, but they're like bikini cut. Man, they are bikini cut. Johnny Ace will start out with Rikishi... Polly sucks chance breakout as the match starts. Polly is the most overperson in this match. Oh yeah. Johnny Ace runs wild on the Samoans, tags in Shane. Keish gets drop kicked by Douglas and tags in Samu. Samu gets double teamed by the dudes as Johnny hits a double axe handle. Samu dumps Johnny Ace into a super kick from Murkishi, A great spotty, like backbody dropped him into a super kick. The Samoans then get the heat on Johnny Ace for a while. Johnny gets a big chop from Samu, and the Samoans wishbone him. Ouch. Keish tags in and hits a big strike from the top turnbuckle, and Johnny Ace on Johnny Ace, and then chokes him and puts him in a chin lock. Douglas needs a hot tag, but Samu tags in and sidewalk slams Johnny Ace. Keish tags in and hits a power slam to Johnny for two. Samu tags in, puts Johnny Ace in a headlock, and drools on him. Gross. I would smash you if you fucking drooled on me. Samu puts him into a Boston Crab as Johnny just can't get the tag to Shane. Johnny's in this match forever here. Polly grabs the mic and tells Johnny he is as useless as a woman from Nashville, Tennessee. No. Shane finally gets the hot tag and drop kicks the Samoans, but gets cut off with a clothesline from Keish, who hits a giant turnbuckle splash, but then Johnny Ace makes the save before the ref's hand can hit a three. So just in the nick of time, Keish is going to Samoan Drops Shane, but Johnny Ace hits a missile drop kick that puts Shane on top of Keish, and Shane Douglas picks up the win to a huge pop from the crowd in 11:02. As the dynamic dudes, this was like their pay-per-view debut, so you yes. needed to get them over on the SWAT team. Uh, I thought that the Samoan SWAT team did great. They did all the work in this match. They put the other, they did the job. They didn't look bad. This is the best way to lose a match and still look okay coming out of it because it was a fluky win. They hid Shane Douglas, I guess, because he, I guess he wasn't ready, you know, ring ready. So he didn't do hardly any work in the match. Johnny Ace just stood in there and was basically the Samoans punching bag for eight minutes. And then the dynamic dudes got the win. So I did, this isn't the best Samoan SWAT team match that we've seen. I think. They've had much better matches with uh, the Steiners and other people. But as far as their job was to get the new team over, and they did it because the dynamic dudes had to do very little in this match and still picked up a big win.
2: Little history note. We talked about the RKO and, and Bob Orton and the diamond cutter and all that. Did you know Johnny Ace is the one who invented the cutter? What did he do the cutter on? That was his finisher. When he was a singles competitor, back, did he have back a in the back in like 85, 86.
1: Was his like setup to
2: it just really slow? Is that why it's like Not. he would just as soon as he could get you groggy, he would just hook your head, and then it'd be just like a diamond cutter. So, wow, he was ahead of his time then. Yeah, so. it's too bad he couldn't get anywhere with it. I just since we had an Orton and a, a Johnny Ace back to back match there, I figured that'd be a perfect crazy. Time to throw that in there.
1: What'd you think of this
2: match? Uh, I think it was good. I feel like it. Uh, it added to to both teams being able to go on. The rivalry could still build, but yet they're able. They they came out of the match both in a better position than they went in. Yeah,
1: the loss didn't
2: hurt the SWAT team, yeah. which is great for for both of these teams because they're still kind of new. Lance Russell
1: is backstage with Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk. They're going to be the judges for the NWA title match tonight. They talk about how they're going to judge the fight tonight. Terry doesn't think it'll go the distance. We'll have to see.
3: Hey, I, it is my pleasure, can I tell you, to be here with three great former champions, Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk. want to ask you some quick questions, gentlemen. Lou, how, as one of the judges on the Flair Steamboat match, how are you going to judge? Are you going to look for offensive effort or defense going to have anything to do with it? Or That's what? very
6: important, yes. Uh, if a man is offensive and then really goes ahead and leads the parade, of course, he would have to get some points. But we'll watch it very carefully. It'll be takedowns and uh, basic rational knowledge and so forth. And, We'll see what happens in the track record that these fellas have had in long matches. We may have to make a decision at the end, so that's where we are and it's going to be a little tough to do, but these two great athletes with the most important match probably of the century, it's going to be a pleasure to
3: do it. Good point, Lou, and uh, Pat, I want to ask you, this is kind of a precedent-setting thing in modern professional wrestling. How do you see the role as judges at ringside in uh, professional wrestling?
6: Well, it's a very important role because we got to uh, judge it and we see it. We have to call the shots as uh, the wrestlers make them, who's aggressive, who's on defense, who's a finely conditioned athlete, who's uh, moving better, and uh, who's able to get the knee of falls and uh, escapes.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay, Terry, I want to ask you something from a wrestler standpoint. How is it going to affect strategy when the wrestlers know, Flair and Steamboat know, that you three gentlemen are going to be out there to decide it in the event that it should go to the time limit.
6: Well, I think it's going to make a definite difference right there because it's going to make an offensive match out of it because it's going to push each individual knowing that we're watching them to, to make them make their moves quicker and uh, much crisper, faster. They're conscious of us. So therefore, the pace will be quicker and whenever the pace is quicker you sometimes make a mistake. So I don't think that pat lou and myself will be making a judgment decision on this particular match mm-hmm.
3: well they as lou pointed out they have a history of going long matches so we very definitely could see it and of course that's the reason why you gentlemen are here thank you very much thank and you. i don't envy your job we appreciate it lutez pat o'connor and terry funk here former champions okay let's go back right now to the ring bad
1: street atlanta ga plays out michael hayes with hero matsuda So Michael Hayes is now a a heel, despite being a face at the Chi-Town Rumble. And he's going to take on the total package Lex Luger, the U.S. champ, who has kept the belt this long. He has. This is the first of five title fights in a row, so a stacked card. Hayes struts to start the match. Luger teases throwing a closed fist in the corner, but Nick Patrick stops him. This feud is from Hayes turning on Luger in a tag team match. So that's all it takes to get you get bumped up to number one contender U.S. title if you just turn on him in a tag team match. That was worth it for Michael Hayes because now he's got a U.S. title shot. Teddy Long is back at ringside scouting some more talent. They trade punches and Luger back body drops Hayes who bails to the outside. Hayes slams Luger's head into the turnbuckles and takes him down with a clothesline. Hayes tries a DDT but Luger pushes out of it. Hayes wastes a lot of time by walking around the ring and jawing with the crowd. Hayes tries a sunset flip, but Luger stops the attempt and arm-drags Hayes into an arm bar. Hayes lights Luger up with some chops, and then Luger no-sells a clothesline and throws Hayes into the corner for some corner punches. But Hayes hits an inverted atomic drop, which Luger no-sells. Which, if you're going to sell anything, sell an, an atomic drop, because if you don't, it makes it look like you don't have a dick. Yeah, or balls. Right, Luger tries a crossbody but goes tumbling outside. Hayes suplexes Luger back into the ring. Oh my goodness, folks, a Lex Luger chant breaks out. Hayes Bulldogs Luger for a two count. Now, this match was really boring and really shitty, and so it just had me thinking random questions to ask during this match. Okay. And here's a here's a question,
2: Patrick. Okay. Who was better? Ultimate warrior or Lex Luger? Warrior. Why? Because at least his gimmick was entertaining to watch. Luger had no gimmick. Luger just went in there, he was a buffed up dude, and he just kicked, started trying to kick people's ass. That's that's all it was.
1: You know, at least Warrior had some charisma about him, he had some character about him. Now, which one was better in the ring, Patrick? (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Between the Bells. Ooh, uh... (laughs) because you know there's always we can sit here and do I'd have to go with Luger I think I would too I mean we can there's always so many debates people have about oh who's the best ever you know but no one ever talks about like the worst ever like you know who's you take two people that aren't very talented and you say who's the best of those two yeah these two that are just as far as in the ring I'd
2: have to go with Luger I would
1: too I don't think Warrior could hit a torture rack I don't think he could do it you probably drop kinda, you on your head. I
2: hate to say that. I really do because I, I love Warrior, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> Ooh, man, tough choices. That is that's that raises a question. That that does that raises a few questions.
1: Stylistically, they're the same two big muscly guys that don't know much wrestling moves, right? And I mean, do you think Lex Luger could have been as great as Ultimate Warrior had he had like face paint and stuff?
2: Had he had the sting push, absolutely. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I just don't think he couldn't cut a promo if his life depended on it. Just have him hoop- Goldberg, have him hoop and holler with face paint on, and have somebody like a, a dynamic dudes or something like that to have him either team with or have someone along those lines manage him. He'd have took off. You think with enough. Dressing, basically. You can make Lex Luger salad work, basically. Think about this, man. Luger went on to be a co-winner of the Royal Rumble and a co-main event of WrestleMania that year. That is true. Luger went on to big things with, and never— one of the few to never hold the WWF title that I feel like does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of
1: Fame. Don't think he could have held the title though. That's he just I'm came saying. along at a
2: bad WWF title. I think he just came along in the WWF at a bad time, as yeah. far as and it, and it, he came along at the right time again in '96 because you had the NWO starting and you had the NWO, but you had all you all you had Luger and DDP, Luger DDP and Flair. That's yeah. It. So, oh, no,
1: he definitely made the right choice by coming back when he did because yeah. he's not going to get – him on the same roster as Shawn Michaels, who you're going to have, you know. Yeah,
2: with him being put into that role, not necessarily just being kind of the right person at the right time type role, he got his chance to showcase his capabilities as a world champion. For five days. Even then, though. Yeah. I mean, he got his, his opportunities. And so that's like knocking Kane for being a 24-hour champion. Kane was still a champion.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know even with the face paint and all the tassels and I don't think you could put enough It's, it's almost it's yeah, it's almost like Roman Reigns. It's like I can give you the world, but you can't you can't make anything of it. Like, did you see Oh, by the way, did you see Roman get eviscerated on Raw with Cena? Yeah. My God. Why why did they think that was a good idea? What a fucking bunch of idiots. Vince is is really losing touch when he said, Go out there and try to ad lib with John Cena. A yeah. guy that his gimmick was freestyle rapping. This yeah. guy can think quick. Yeah. And he fucking ethered <laughs> Roman Reigns on the mic. I mean, it wasn't even close. No, yeah. And all Roman can do, this is when he panics and he can't think of how to come back for he just bitch, bitch. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna kick your butt, bitch. And it's just like no you just got owned man yeah yeah john cena just destroyed you in every way like i mean he did it again he's the king of this he can take anything and spin it that's what he does
6: but it blows my mind that he stands out here and he runs his mouth and he's talking about y'all boo him
4: because y'all want him to be a bad guy They boo you, because first of all, you suck. Hey, uh, uh, according to them, so does he, but that's okay. He won a gold medal. Just shut
5: up for a while. How about that? (laughs) And second of all. Go ahead, find it. Go ahead. Oh wait.
4: It's called a promo, Shut kid, your mouth, if you want to be the big dog, you're going to have to learn how to do it, so go ahead.
0: Wow. <laughs> see you, fourth wall. The
4: reason why they boo you is because they see right through you. You're a phony. You're a yes man who can learn how to do anything or be anything. So if you wrap all that up, you're just
1: a fake bitch. My God. It this was, is,
2: and what was funny is... He
1: said, yeah, I'm a part-timer because you can't handle it. What, you know, what's, full-time.
2: What's, what's funny is just right after that, he said... Uh, he did an interview where he said uh, he's the first ever in history to not be a heel oh, or, yeah, or yeah. a baby. And as soon as I read that, I thought, hmm... Wonder what Austin thinks of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. An anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. I was like, just walk away from that one and think about that for a second. And to me, if you're saying a guy who was who was heel. But a baby at the same
1: time... The Rock would probably have something to say about that. Yeah. Getting cheered for being bad. I mean, basically, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar were bad guys getting cheered at one point, you yeah, know? Like,
2: so It I happens mean, all the
1: fucking time. Yeah,
2: that's. But he, he said that shit, I was just like, okay. Boy, that this was...
1: Is, I'll include the Cena eviscerating of Roman Reigns. I forgot to bring that up in the news. One of the <laughs> highlights of my... The, new, the week just kept getting better. Yeah, you know? it, really it really did. <laughs> So we go back to 1989 now. Hayes gets the upper hand on Luger, but pauses to, of course, go showboat on the turnbuckle. Luger gets put in a sleeper, but hulks up out of it. Luger throws Hayes out of a bulldog attempt. Turnbuckle punches to Hayes, a hip toss and clothesline. to Hayes, but only gets a two count. A big press slam and Luger calls for the rack. But instead he's like, I'll just do another press slam again. Then he calls for the rack again. But then he's like, I'll just do another press slam and he calls for the rack again as he's finally decided to try the rack. He picks up Michael Hayes for the torture rack, but Hayes slips out of it and a DDT out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, buddy. The ref though takes a bump when uh, both of the men struggle to their feet and all the ref, Hayes and Luger all just bump into each other. So yeah. they, they all spill over.
2: They do. And, and out
1: of the corner of your eye, Patrick,
2: is is a t-shirt, <laughs> blue jeans, cowboy boots, and cowboy hat. Down runs the one and only Terry Bam Bam Gordy to throw the leg off of the belt, off the uh, rope. the rope. So the referee can count one. The leg goes back up. He throws it off again. <laughs> Two. It's about to go again, and you see him turn back. He, he just, holds just shoves it down. the shit down. Yeah. Three And your new United States heavyweight champion of the world, the one, the only, from Bad Street, USA, one half of the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes. I felt like it was a great spot, and it was a great way to incorporate him into working his way back in, which he did into the NWA picture into the Michael Hayes Freebirds Freebirds setup. Yeah,
1: shocking here that uh you know, we just saw Luger win this belt at the last pay-per-view and yep. here he is losing it. And he yep. the way he won it was kind of shitty and the way he lost it was kind of shitty. Uh, this would plague Luger through his career, stop and start with Lex Luger. It's always like, do we do we go now? No, no we don't go now. Do we go now? No, we, no we don't go now. It just shows me that this is, I mean, this is just a constant problem with this guy's career is the company gets behind him one second, and then the next they're like, nah, nah. He
2: had the the body. He had the look. He had the in-ring personality. He just could not talk.
1: Or wrestle very well, really. That's true, too. Better than Warrior, but that doesn't... The bar is very low.
2: (laughs) But, uh... He just couldn't talk. And you got to talk people into coming to see you. Lance Russell is backstage with the Stinger.
1: Sting just shows his baby face fire.
2: Right now, let's go to Lance Russell
0: with Sting.
3: I mean, we're a couple of minutes away from it, and this man right here will be defending the world TV title. It won't be long. you will be in the ring, Sting. I can't wait. You know the way I get
5: every time I see the lights and the cameras and all kinds of people running around with paint on their face, acting weird, jumping through the stands, running in place, beating on their chest, doing all that kind of weird stuff that I do. Woo! I just can't wait to get in the ring. The Iron Sheik, you are going to love this just as much as I am.
3: Later! Is he ready or is he ready? The Stinger heading to the ring. If we're going to keep up with it, let's go. Does a shouty promo. And then runs
1: out to the ring to meet Sheiky Baby. Sheiky Baby. Two of my favorites here. Sting looks ridiculous with his dyed black rat tail. All blonde flat top with the dyed black rat tail. Yeah. Classy. It is 1989,
2: isn't it? I find this hilarious for a minute. That not only does... Gary Michael Capetta announces Sting, announces the Iron Sheik, but the Iron Sheik then goes and confronts him and says a former world's champion. Oh, yeah, he gets in his face. You weren't a world's champion in the NWA. <laughs> don't acknowledge it. Yeah, that guy of company never existed. Yeah, don't acknowledge it. I got a kick out of that. I thought that was quite hilarious.
1: Yeah, well, Sheik, you know, he wants all his credentials out there. Before the bell can ring, Sheiky Baby takes the flag, the Iranian flag, and nails Stinger with it and then chokes Sting with a towel that Sheik had in his pocket. Sting no-sells some strikes and clotheslines Sheiky Baby and chokes him with his cloak. A Stinger splash, Scorpion Deathlock, and Sheiky Baby gives up. Good night's work for Sting. Back to the locker room. Easy payday. And the TV champ, by the way, this was a TV title match. Yeah. Easily retains and uh, runs through Sheiky, baby, like nobody's business. I think a brilliant piece of booking on WCW's part to take an old WWF champion and just have Sting just maul right through through him.
2: Yeah that was a good idea i wonder how much they paid Sheik to allow him to do that because you know Sheik was like no i gotta get my shit in yeah
1: yeah so, no he didn't get any shit in he didn't the nwa heavyweight title match is up next lance russell's with steamboat steamboat puts flair over and says he'll shake his hand no matter what
0: speaking of the title the world's heavyweight championships coming up next and here's lance russell with the champion.
3: We are just three minutes away from going to the ring in what could be the most important match in the life of Ricky Steamboat. Could we get some final thoughts, Ricky?
7: You know something, Lance? This, without a doubt, is going to be my most important match. Being a world champion these last several weeks, has brought a lot of different thoughts to my mind and the fact that there are a lot of other contenders out there and that's why that stipulation was put in. Ric Flair's last chance. Mm -hmm. We've got three ex-world champions around the ring acting as judges to, to eliminate any kind of controversial one, two, threes that might happen when this match ends. But I will say this, Ric Flair, you are probably the greatest of all the world champions ever, whoever comes out the winner tonight I will shake your hand, tip my hat, but I will say this. I'm in the best shape of my life. I've heard through the grapevine that you have trained for hours to be in the best shape of yours. Let there be no excuses. Let the reigning world champion come out in this
3: Nashville show. I'll see you there in a squared circle, Flair. Okay, that's it. By the I'll tell you, let's follow it right now to the ring for this most important match.
2: Now on with the entrances. All right. We see... Led to the ring by 40 beautiful women. Okay. Problem with the the, the count of the women. Did there you were a count? lot of women. Did you
1: count? No, I didn't count, but there were not 40. There I, were a I, lot. I think there were 40. Bob Cottle thinks there's 40 women out with Ric Flair. Now, there's a lot. This is like a WrestleMania-type
2: entrance, by the it way. It really is. And and Bob Coddle thinks 40. I think 40. However, Jim Ross doesn't know what to think because Jim Ross is thinking with another part of his anatomy while he's looking at these women. Yeah, he's distracted by the ladies. And so, Ric Flair gets in there looking as only the Nature can look. Then all of a sudden, here comes the one and only Ricky Steamboat. And what does he have by his side? <laughs> his family. His family. But not only his family, his wife on one side, him on the other side, and the little steamboat riding a A pony—a horsey—riding a little pony to the (laughs) ring. (laughs) This is quite the dynamic of. uh, It it showed you. uh, They laid this shit on so thick, man. I don't have
1: any question about the heel face dynamic here. They
2: laid this this party lifestyle. Family Guy, they laid that shit on thicker than peanut butter on bread, man. They, you could tell from a mile away which one was the partier, which one was the Family Guy. I mean, it was polar opposites. This match will have a one-hour time limit. In the event of a draw, the judges,
1: who I mentioned earlier, let's will, let's talk about that. Will decide the winner in
2: the event of a draw. I uh, was doing a little research on Pat. Because I didn't remember Pat ever retiring from the ring. He did not retire. As a matter of fact, he died while being an active competitor at the age of 65 in 1990. Just little less than a year after this pay-per-view, Crazy. he was going to die of cancer. I guess he didn't know he had it then. He didn't know he had it. So obviously he may have had cancer during this actual pay-per-view. Wow. And so, uh, but... To give you a little backstory, he was the inaugural AWA heavyweight champion.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because I don't know much about
2: him. And I mean, so, everyone knows Lethes, and, and he Terry was uh, he was a multi-time um, NWA champion. I believe he was the third or fourth ever in history. So that gives you a little bit of a background. He was born August twenty second. 1924, died August 16th, 1990, so there you go, but still died as an active competitor. If you want to go, we'll go back and we'll look up Lou Oh, well, I mean Lou
1: I mean, everybody... You and I know, know
2: Lou but some of these younger generation kids don't, so... Well, most famous for now
1: being the inventor of the Thez press, which... Was made popular by a young man named Stone Cold Steve Austin, who added true. his own uh, throwing of the punches to it. And but if you can get a move named after you that continues to be used, that's really one one of the best ways to leave a legacy in wrestling. That's true.
2: I agree. Luthes was born April twenty fourth, nineteen sixteen. He died April twenty eighth of two thousand two. He uh, he was built from St. Louis, made his debut made his debut in nineteen thirty two. Retired in nineteen ninety as well. So still in the active compas- still in the active roster while this was being filmed. Think of that. Um, Luthas is known. Let's see, you're looking at his accomplishments. A 14 time world champion. He held the NWA title three times in a combined total of 10 years. Yeah, 10 years, three months, and nine days. Yeah. So, uh, just a little bit more of his accomplishments there. He was a, uh, Invented the belly to back suplex. Yes. An AWA champion. The STF. And the original powerbomb. Yes. Went into the NWA Hall of Fame in 2005. He is also in the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, he just went in fairly recently in a
1: Legends segment. Legends. Fez uh, yeah. did not like uh, the WWE towards the end of his career.
2: He was he was very old-fashioned in the Cauliflower Alley Club, and uh, he thought that Vince was kind of taken away from that. For... It didn't go into the Hall of Fame until 2016 in the
1: Legacy Wing, so yeah. that's how long it took. Ridiculous. But that's how it goes when you're dealing with Vince. Yeah, well, and then the third member of this judging panel is Terry Funk, which, I mean... You can't— I'm not going to explain Terry Funk.
2: We can't—yeah, you cannot knock Terry Funk's accomplishments, and I, I, we're not overshadowing Terry. I just wanted to—we haven't really had an opportunity to visit the golden age of wrestling, and this was a quick, quick segment, a quick way of doing so.
1: Judges in a championship match. I think this is a good idea, but at the same time, it's kind of booked backwards in a way because the babyface is the champion. Right. This would work out better, I think, if the babyface was chasing the heel champion because he needs a fair shot. Like, he's been cheated out of his matches or whatever. Like, I agree. F- Ric Flair, as he's introduced, gets a lot of boos. The crowd is mostly behind the dragon, who, gets, yeah. who does, though, get some booze. I'd say it's 75% steamboat crowd and 25 for Flair. We get those deep arm drags from Steamboat, which leads to a chop battle in the corner. We'll check in on those scorecards during the match, so we'll get up-to-date scoring.
2: Every 15 minutes.
1: Every 15 minutes, despite the scores come in clearly before the guy goes over the thing and says, 15 minutes? Yeah. It's odd how that happens, but okay. (laughs) Flair chops Steamboat in the corner and throws a closed fist, and then we get a big chop battle that goes corner to corner every corner we go chop in. This goes on until Steamboat can back body drop Flair out of a corner. Steamboat attacks Flair's left arm and shoulder. Another deep arm drag, and Flair is back in an arm bar. So Steamboat's going to keep working these arm bars, hoping to go for the chicken wing. Double chicken wing, eventually. Flair chops his way out of it. Steamboat goes for a chicken wing, but Flair powers out and shoves him into a corner and delivers some big rights. Steamboat lights Flare up with some chops, who does a flare flop from the chops. Steamboat goes back to the arm bar. Flair puts Steamer in a fireman's carry and then puts Steamboat on the top turnbuckle. Steamboat leapfrogs Flair and then drop kicks him right out of the ring. Steamboat then teases a dive to the outside, but Tommy Young talks him down. And we never get the dive to the outside that has been teased on us now two pay-per-views in a row. Another arm drag into an arm bar for Steamer, then Flair hip-tosses Steamboat and misses an elbow. Steamer gets another deep arm drag. At the end of the first 15, all judges unanimously award the first round to the dragon. So after first 15 minutes, it's three to nothing. Steamboat. Steamboat and Flair get into another chop battle. Flair chucks Steamboat out. But Steamboat gets right back in and then corner punches Flair. A Flair flip fails, and he's caught in the Tree of Woe and gets kicked in the face by Steamboat. Flair throws Steamboat out of the ring. A fan tries to push Steamboat to to his feet. A fan tries to push Steamboat to his feet, like, Get back in there! You got this, dude! Come on, bro! So Steamboat is on a knee, resting, and Flair stomps Steamboat in the head as he's on a knee on the outside, (laughs) and then chops him right into the front row, chops him right over the guardrail. Then Flair grabs a chair, but luckily Tommy Young wrestles it away from him. Flair delivers a big elbow to Steamer's throat, and the ladies in the front row try to pat Steamboat on the back and tell him... Get going again. Get some air. You'll be okay. Steamboat chops Flair back over the guardrail, and then they battle back into the ring. Before they get into the ring, Flair shows his ass as Steamboat grabs him by the tights. He loves that spot. Getting that old (laughs) ass out. And then delivers a springboard chop. He knocks Flair out of the ring, back onto the ring apron. He brings Flair back in with a snapmare and goes back to the armbar. Misses a high cross and goes flailing to the outside. Then Flair brings him in, chops him down, chokes him with a boot. We get another chop battle, a belly-to-back suplex to Steamboat for a -a two-and-a-half count. Flair does his running knee drop to the head of Steamboat and woos for the crowd. Double underhook suplex to Steamboat for two. Big Flair elbow drop for two count. Flair complains to referee Tommy Young over the count and drops Steamboat throat first over the ropes. The dirtiest player in the game chokes Steamboat with his knee while Tommy Young complains to Flair. Flair then suplexes Steamboat outside the ring onto the ring mats. The judges give their second 15 minute scores to Flair, except for Lou Thez. So now it is four to two, four to two in favor of Steamboat right now at the 30 minute mark, the alleged 30 minute mark of the match. Steamboat rolls Flair back up in the ring for a two count. Flair high-crosses Steamboat, and they both go crashing to the ring mats. If Tommy Young counts them out, it will go to the judges' cards. Now, I do like this idea that there's no count-outs, that we'll just yeah. go to the... There will be a winner, yeah. no matter what. It won't be a DQ. Like, right. I like that idea. Yeah. Flair tries something off the top. Guess what? It doesn't work. Steamboat slams him. Steamboat shows a lot of baby face fire and corner-punches Flair. Backbody drops Flair, and Steamer does the dragon pose on one knee in the middle of the ring. Steamboat puts Flair on the top turnbuckle, chops him, and then goes for the superplex. He lands it, and Steamboat begs for Flair to get up. A dragon suplex attempt, but Flair gets the ropes. Steamboat hits the top turnbuckle judo chop and then goes upstairs again, but Flair falls into the ropes and knocks Steamboat off balance. He falls to the ring mats, and uh uh-oh, sell in his knee... His knee has buckled. It's and not, not looking good. And Flair immediately knows what he's got to do now. Flair suplexes Steamboat back into the ring. Flair goes for the figure four in the center of the ring and gets it. Steamboat nearly gets pinned in the figure four. Steamboat eventually crawls to the ropes. Flair goes back to work on Steamboat's leg with knee strikes and punching it and stomps. Steamboat's leg is in Flair's hand and he lands an insiguri with his good leg Steamboat tries a scoop slam, but his leg buckles, allowing Flair to reverse the pressure and end up covering Steamboat for a quick three count with an inside cradle. Your winner and six-time NWA champion, Ric Flair, as Pyro goes off and the camera. Fucking NWA camera team misses the handshake, the payoff to all of this. It misses it. As Steamboat does what he says, he gives Ric Flair a handshake and gives Ric Flair his props and then gets out of the ring. What would you think of this match? Oh, phenomenal. Do you think it's better than the first one? Yes. I don't. I think the first one was better. Really? I do. And that's even without... It's not just because Steamboat won the first match (laughs) because he won in basically the same way, exactly. Yeah. Um... I just thought the first match was a little bit better. It's not. It's not a a wide disparity, and I can't really tell you exactly why I think the first match is better. Maybe it's because it's the first one that I saw. I think maybe that has a lot to do with it. But I do think the first match in Chicago was just a little bit better. This match is still very good, though. Yeah. It's a shame that the judges basically scorecard that didn't come into play because it was an interesting idea, and I thought you know conventional wisdom with wrestling is like. If you have this stipulation, it will be used.
2: Yeah. So I'm surprised that it didn't get used. It was a good, Well, we see later why it was a good. Well, it was a good way to work the judges into. One judge in particular. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was very entertaining. It was. Uh, it was very. It told a story. Um. I feel like personally. That it is the. Two greatest matches, quite possibly, in the history of professional wrestling.
1: Wow, that is very high praise coming from so, you. Man. I don't know that I would go
2: that far, maybe because I'm... Steamboat, Savage, these two, I, these two and then uh, Sean Taker.
1: I always has... Oh, I think that match is so overrated. Really? I think it's a good match, but I just think it's so overrated because... We can get into Sean and Taker another time. We didn't do that one already, right? No, we haven't. Um, Sean and Taker, just quickly, while we're on the subject, it's I think what makes that match so great is because it had been a lo- such a long time since we saw anything like it. Yeah. And it also was all those near falls, like – now the company has gone crazy when Near Falls. So yeah. every match, they try to recreate that in every match yeah. now. Especially in terms of that WrestleMania card. Oh, man, it's the only thing worth on that card worth watching, really. Yeah. Like, But I just think it's a little overrated match. And I, I don't... I think these these matches with Flair and Steamboat are very good. They'll tell you in all their shoot interviews and everything that all their house show matches that didn't get
2: televised, they said those were even better. Yeah.
1: Than these, these were just the ones that made it to TV.
2: They, like, they, yeah, Flair uh, will tell you time and time again that the house shows they they did hour limit, you know, hour time limits, and it would be some of the most grueling matches they've ever done. Uh, I always hesitate to
1: label greatest matches ever, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to ever shut the door, you know, like, cause right. I always, that's, that's why I keep watching wrestling is always to hope that they won up the last one that I saw, but, uh, it's a very good match. It's especially for the time period, like certainly WWF could not offer anything like this in you know, no. 1989. So,
2: uh, this was tremendous
1: trying to figure out what happened with Steamboat after this.
2: He went on to uh, do the U.S. title. Yeah, he would fight with Luger. Yeah, and then he would go on later on to have a feud with uh, Stunning Steve Austin for the U.S. title.
1: Due to a contract dispute, he left the NWA after the Great American Bash in 89. So that happened in July. So he was out of the company by the end of July. Quite a... uh, Man, that's just stupid. Whoever... Pay this guy. Yeah. The best wrestler, I think, in the world at the moment in 1989. Pay this fucking guy. So he left. He went to have some surgery on an injured foot. Then came back for the North American Wrestling Association. And then would go to New Japan and then come back to the WWF where he would only be called The Dragon when he was an actual dragon in the early 90s. Oh,
2: when he carried out that stupid alligator thing. Yeah,
1: he wore the dragon head, the kimono dragon. Yeah. And then he would return to WCW, or you're right, in uh, 91. And, uh, yeah, of course, we saw his great um, War Games match that he was in. Yeah. So with Rick Rude and went on to do more things in WCW before calling
2: it quits and then coming back for that jericho match but which by the way that you talk about a good match the man hasn't laced up his boots in 15 it's still unbelievable to, in like 15 years and you think about he, he here he goes man he goes out there and he fucking owns it
1: and was not embarrassed to you know wrestle without a shirt on and put on tights i mean he went more out power there. to you yeah
2: man he went out there and owned it
1: this match was voted match of the year by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, so I guess you're right that it is better than
2: Shytown yeah, Rumble. I figure, but. man, because this is just. Oh God.
1: Jim Ross is going to get to interview the champ. So JR goes in the ring. Flair says Steamboat is the greatest champ he's ever faced. And then all of a sudden, one of the judges, Terry Funk, gets in the ring and congratulates Flair. Hey, congratulations! I can't do a Terry <laughs> Funk, but. I, you know. Terry Funk gets in the ring congratulates Flair and tells Flair you're the greatest and I would have voted for you no matter what because you are the greatest so one of the judges was uh, biased yeah this is uh, this is why we don't have judges it'd be too hard to find one that's not biased looking out for his own interests here that's right. so Terry says uh, now you got that belt uh, what do you say I uh, challenge you for it and Flair says Hey buddy, you're retired and you're not a contender. We use the rankings around here, and uh, you can't you can't fight me for this belt.
2: You're you're not in my top ten. Yeah, he said you're <laughs> I not. Love that shit. You're not top
1: ten, Funk. Yeah, I love that. Terry begs for just one more word. He says, uh, I, "I was just kidding," and then. Swerve, he decks Ric Flair and puts the boots to him. Knocks
2: the shit out of him too, dude.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have seen history in the making here this afternoon in Nashville. For the sixth time, I want to present, ladies and gentlemen, number six, the heavyweight champion of the world, Nature Boy Ric Flair. I think... Also, we have to give credit where credit is due, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ric Flair both competed in one of the, the greatest matches that any of us, I think, have ever witnessed. Champ, congratulations.
4: Thank you very much. Not in character for Ric Flair, but Rick Steamboat is the greatest champion I've ever faced. And I'm proud to be here for a sixth time.
0: Wow.
4: Hey Rick, I want to be the first
6: to congratulate you on being the new world's champion.
0: Terry, thank you very much. We do appreciate the judges being here.
6: Hey Rick, I also want to say that if it would have gone 60 minutes that I would have liked to have, uh, I would have voted for Rick Flair because I think that you're the greatest wrestler
0: in the world today. Very nice, thank you very much Terry, thank you very much. Thank you very much Terry. You know champ, it went past 35, 40 minutes, it was nip and tuck, both.
6: You know, I would, I would also like to go ahead, and I'd also like to go ahead and, and be the first one to challenge Ric Flair
4: to that new championship.
5: Well, uh,
4: Terry, uh, I'm honored that you'd like to get in the picture, but as the wrestling fans know, you've been an actor, you've been in Hollywood, Sylvester Stallone, while I've been being the world champion. And we got a top ten. We got a top ten that the world champion is obligated to wrestle. And that's why we are number one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
6: Are you you really saying that uh, I'm not a contender?
4: No, what I'm saying, Terry, is that you are a great wrestler, but right now you're rubbing shoulders with Sylvester Stallone and not the world champion.
6: No, 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 no. I was just asking, do you think it... uh,
4: you're I'm not Arkansas. good enough. You're saying that I'm not good enough, aren't you, Rick? I'm not saying that at all, Terry. Yes, you if you want me to look you in the eye and tell you that I got a problem with wrestling a guy that's been out in Hollywood for five years, it's the bottom line, bud. I'm looking at the top ten. And you're no. not in the top ten. No, Rick. 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 Let me conclude this by saying thank you. I'm honored, everybody. Win, lose, or draw, Rick Flair. Rick, please, please let me
6: just say one more thing. I was, I was just kidding you about going ahead and, and, and wanting to challenge you. I didn't want to really challenge you. I was just kidding you. So, Ed gummit, let's go ahead.
0: That was beef. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Hey.
1: <laughs> and Beats him right out of the ring, into the crowd, throws him into a table, then gets on top of this. Are you ready? Not
2: worked table. This is the very first time ever televised that a table comes into play during two wrestlers bout. I know this for a fact. This is historical value. Terry Funk throws Ric Flair on the table, gets on top, picks him up to pile driving through the table. That thing did not give an inch. Luckily, Terry
1: Funk was safe about it, though, and you can see him like tilt his head to the side to, like, hey, make sure Ric Flair's, you're not about to break Ric Flair's neck on this table. Yeah. But needless to say, the crowd was just shocked by this violence that they had just seen. That's not enough, though. They both crumbled to the ground
2: after this. Terry goes ballistic. He grabs the table, flips it over, on slams it on top of Rick, then goes and gets a chair. Grabs a chair and he just swings and smacks Flair right in the top of the head. And the
1: chair breaks, like the padding or whatever. Yeah. it was it wasn't like that was just a bonus, like yeah. to make it look so cool. Like
2: it wasn't planned or anything. It just yeah, happened. it just flew it was,
1: off. So it looked. Oh my God! He just destroyed Rick Flair here funk on the way out a fan is not happy with terry funk and terry funk and this fan nearly get into a fucking fight on the way out of here like
2: yeah i think a fan spit on him he turns around spits back and then he reaches through he's like reaching over the guardrail trying trying to hit the fan it's so on his way
1: out he yells into jr's mic he says i'm not good enough look
5: at him (laughs) and then look at him Look at the horse to. jerk.
1: And the camera picks up Flair as he is just laying dead under this table in an awesome angle. Oh. This is uh I this should have gone on last. This should have been the lasting image from this pay-per-view. I'm sorry. I agree. Like, I agree. I mean this was an excellent executed perfectly. I agree. And, and I And it
2: turned Rick Flair is now a face. Cuz now you got to you've got Like, later on, we hear that, you know, Rick's doing somewhat okay. He's back at the, you know, the trainers, and you hear all all that bullshit. But had this been the last image and the pay-per-view went off, do you know the— Must-see TV. Oh, my God, man. People would be clamoring like crazy— there's no internet. You don't there's have no internet. way to get <laughs> information. You have, no, you would have Rick Flair's health. You'd be that, calling the Nashville that hospital. Phone, <laughs> that phone would be ringing. You'd, you'd be right. calling Vanderbilt. Do you have anybody there named Flair? Yeah. Is he okay? Like, but you would also you'd be the hotline. You'd be dollar forty nine a minute or whatever. <laughs> you'd be calling your friends. You'd be hey, have you heard anything? Has you know, have you seen a newsletter or you know for weeks on end? We're not talking about a one day deal. That would have built for weeks on end since you didn't have internet and stuff. It, oh it'd have been great. Oh his return would have been Oh, awesome it'd have been phenomenal. It
1: just oh, wow. injury angles. If done right. Like you know, now nowadays this happens and then two weeks later they're back yeah. with no not even a bandage.
2: S- somebody gets injured now, they go they come back and win the Royal Rumble. So I actually
1: enjoyed this angle with Terry Funk almost as much as the match. I just thought oh, yeah. this was awesome.
2: It was done so well because you have one historic rivalry ending, and literally within two minutes, you have another one starting. Yeah. You never had downtime.
1: Yeah. It was just, it was seamless. Booked. So, after all that, this pay per view is not over. No. This night will continue.
2: Because we are going to have the varsity club, the world. Tag team titles.
1: Nikita Koloff is backstage in a ref shirt, a striped ref shirt, not a NWA WCW ref shirt because they wore blue. So he should have gotten a blue shirt for this. <laughs> Nikita Koloff says he's going to call it right down the middle for the Road Warriors match. The Varsity Club and their cheerleaders are already in the ring. You were able, you were able to understand
2: what Nikita was saying.
1: Yeah, it turns out he's not Russian. So, really? Yeah, his accent. I never
2: knew that. Yeah, the man lives. Just you know. 20 miles from
1: here. His Russian needs some work here. He yeah. hadn't perfected it uh, in 1989. <laughs> Mike Rotunda and Dr. Death Steve Williams are the title holders, so the Road Warriors are chasing here. Road Warriors with Paul Ellering stomped the ring, and they start fighting. This is always something I – my nitpick about the Road Warriors. Why don't you just fight in the Spikes? hey, start fighting with the spikes on.
2: <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. Every LOD match we have, you always say that. And so, no, I just think about it. And I said... It's the coolest part. Because as soon as I saw him just start going to town with the spikes on, I was like, oh, he's going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. But then they, of course... Take it off. Take it off. <laughs>
1: Now, despite saying, oh, I'm going to call it right down the middle, Nikita just lets them brawl, like, with no tags for the first... It's a Texas Tornado match for the first minute. Animal decides, okay, let's start this legit with Dr. Death. Koloff throws Sullivan out of the ring, out of the match. He, you're out of here! Rotunda tags in and drop kicks Animal. He gets caught in a power slam off a top turnbuckle clothesline attempt, then Hawk tags in with Dr. Death. Dr. Death scoop slams Hawk and then Hawk returns the favor. Dr. Death goes outside and Hawk clotheslines him from the apron and he falls to the mats. Hawk misses a clothesline on the outside and hits his hand against the ring post. Dr. Death works on Hawk's injured hand on the guardrail. They both get the tags so Animal and Rotunda are now legal men. Animal hits a jumping shoulder tackle on Rotunda. Rotunda tries a high cross but goes flying outside. Dr. Death eats the doomsday device meanwhile... Dan Spivey and Kevin Sullivan, despite being kicked out earlier, just walks right back down, no problems, and they beat up Nikita Koloff. So the bell rings, ding ding ding, DQ win for the Road Warriors. This they put this on after what we just saw. That's yeah. so you can't do that. This was this was stupid. I think that shouldn't have went on last. I agree. Well, I mean, the biggest it, name in here was Nikita but, Koloff, right? Well, the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors are the most over tag team there has ever been. The WWF did this too occasionally where they put in stuff after the main event basically. So this isn't unheard of. But I think that the Road Warriors should have gotten a clean win because you just had the babyface lose the title. Even though after the match, Ric Flair is made a babyface because Terry Funk jumps him. I think you want to give them something to feel better, like to feel good, like, oh, one of our favorites won or whatever, and so that's why I think the Road Warriors should have just won the belts here, but, you know, they'd be hitting the road for WWF pretty soon, so. Yeah. The U.S. tag title match is next. Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, Missy Hyatt, and Rick Steiner are all out first. Rick Steiner going against the Varsity Club here. The other Varsity Club tag team of Sullivan and Dan Spivey. Yeah, you got the first family taking on the uh, Varsity Club. Dan Spivey was uh tag partners
2: with uh Undertaker, right? They were correct, Dan they The skyscraper. Skyscrapers, very good. Dan Spivey went on to work for Vince later on in the early nineties as a Louisiana crazy kinda lunatic killer type gimmick. It didn't get over too oh, well. All
1: right, the one that Bray Wyatt sorta of modeled yeah, after.
2: Right. It didn't get over too well, but later now you have his Bray Wyatt, so
1: Spivey rams Steiner's shoulder into the ring post outside of the ring. He's not in the match, so this is all happening outside of the action. Gilbert and Sullivan are the legal men. Steiner doesn't look like he can continue the match because he's been so beaten down by Spivey outside. Sullivan decks Steiner while he's trying to recover. Even when he makes it to the ring, he just gets decked right off. Gilbert is taking on Spivey now, all by himself in the ring. Sullivan Ramsteiner Steiner headfirst into the ring post, so this guy cannot just catch a break. Spivey double-chokes Gilbert and drops him with a drop kick. Backbreaker to Gilbert as Steiner finally makes it to his corner. Gilbert back body drop stands Spivey, but the heels keep the heat on Gilbert with a side slam. Spivey hits a boss man slam and then tags in Sullivan... Steiner gets the hot tag. Spivey argues with the ref after coming in to punch Steiner. Steiner clotheslines Sullivan, and Gilbert falls on top for the win. So a pretty anticlimactic finish here. Dan Spivey destroys Steiner's injured arm with a chair after the match, so he gets all his heat back. Sullivan teases up beating up Missy Hyatt, but Gilbert saves the day. Hot Stuff and Steiner retain their U.S. tag belts. JR announces at the Varsity Club got stripped of their world title belts earlier because of their shenanigans. So, a uh, exactly, if you're just going to strip them anyway, why not just have the Road Warriors go over? They still have a pair of belts in the faction with this match. So, yeah, that Road Warriors match is definitely a waste of time. They replay the Terry Funk pile driver to Ric Flair on the table. JR signs off, and that's it. What did you think of this final match here between the uh, varsity club? uh let me down yeah uh big let down uh don't know what they were thinking i guess they had to throw something together because the hair versus hair idea
2: got scrapped and this is what we got cuz it was supposed to be like we said Eddie Gilbert versus uh Sullivan Kevin Sullivan and uh Anyone cutting that hair, and I knew Sullivan was probably going to fight that opportunity or. That Sullivan, train. who's now bald, by the way, so maybe Sullivan, he was worried. Sullivan has done some hair versus hair matches in the past. And oh, lost he definitely yeah, and lost. But I, just for some reason, I just knew it. I, I don't. I don't know if it was hurt feelings or what. I just knew Sullivan was like, no, I'm not doing it with Eddie.
1: I don't know the logic of putting this match here. Two matches after Flair and Steamboat, even though Gilbert is from Tennessee or whatever, I guess that was the idea was yeah. put on a Tennessee guy last. Yeah. That just This is just, there was nothing to see here. In either of these last two matches, really, I mean, yeah. I hate to say it, this card's
2: a lot like uh, chi Town Rumble. It was a big letdown in the uh, the two last matches. Um, however, Flair Steamboat is by far one of the greatest matches of all time. I think it's in the discussion. Sure. So.
1: I need to go watch the uh, Clash of the Champions match now. So. That, that I'm not picking that this week. I've got to take p- a break from Ric Flair. As much as I love Ric Flair, but uh, overall this show—how would you describe? How would you rank it? What would? What are your thoughts? Final thoughts on Wrestle War '89?
2: Well, we got a glimpse of him, so I'm going to go ahead and go with a Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Wow, your rank your ranking
1: on the ranking scale is a Terry Gordy from Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez. That is that's pretty high. Pretty tall man. Pretty big man. I think you should just watch Flair and Steamboat and just really? skip out the other stuff. Really? Me. Yeah, sorry. Uh, now, well, that that's the big letdown.
2: sting Chic, I thought was good. Yeah, because it's just a squash match. Still watch it. Michael Hayes-Luger. Oh, no, God. I, I mean, it's Luger for 15 minutes. Still, man. I enjoyed it. I hated that match. Plus, it's a huge moment in Michael Hayes' career. Oh, it's terrible got the, Ranger the dynamic, Ross the dynamic dudes I could care less about uh, Dick Murdoch Bob Orton I thought was a good match for what it was it was okay uh, Muda Doug Gilbert I thought was good and then we got the bank robber so yeah Ranger know. Ross uh, and Butch Reed so I I really enjoyed this pay-per-view This is a tough
1: one to rank, but I guess I'm going to give it a Dan Spivey. Okay. Uh, Because it has that one match in it and the great angle with Funk, Terry Funk after it. and uh, That alone makes it worth watching, but like I said, I would just skip around. I would just... The network has those little dots for a reason. Just go to those dots and watch this one... Pretty amazing match and a great post-match angle. Yeah. As far as post-match beatdowns, it was way
2: –
1: I mean, it, It's it, ahead it, of its time. It blurs the line between yeah. fake and real,
2: and where does it stop and where does it start. Because so. that first one, man, that first punch, he decks the hell out. He lays it in on Flair. It wasn't a halfway he pulled it. I mean, he laid it in. Yeah, very
1: uh excellent use of uh Terry Funk here.
2: I was going to pick I'm just going to pick
1: something that happened in September. Uh I don't know. I didn't really know what to pick this week. So I am going to choose ECW Anarchy Rules R U L Z from 1999 in September. It happens this week. We're coming up on the uh the 18th anniversary of it. So that's what I picked because some of the other options I I almost picked an in your house from 97 which would be ground zero in your house but it's like three hours long I, I'm not watching that I can't do that <laughs> which by the way that stone cold is on the cover of that and doesn't appear on the card ground zero is when the Patriot challenged oh that's right Bret
2: Hart. Never yeah never mind uh,
1: not another pay-per-view where the main event where the belt didn't go on last because (laughs) Sean headlines over the belt versus the Undertaker in ground zero in a regular singles match which surprise surprise ended in a no contest. What? Yeah. (laughs) Bret Hart defeated the Patriot in that one match the Patriot had with Bret Hart in a singles match. So there you go. Anarchy rules where Mike Awesome will go for the ECW title belt in a triple threat match. We'll see what happens. I've never seen this show. What's the main event? Mike
2: Awesome? Well, the TV belt goes on last, actually, Patrick. But it's Awesome, Sato, Tanaka, and... Taz. Taz, okay. That's what I thought. So, Taz's last pay-per-view, by the way, before leaving to go to uh, the WWE. Nah, he
1: would work one more. So ECW had just gotten on cable TV. They were taken
2: off. Or were they? Actually, things were falling apart. But this is the start of... Well, you did stick with, with our theme somewhat. We went from Nashville, Tennessee to a show being ran by a Nashville network and TNN. So all right, there you go. There's it your, all connects. It all connects, man.
1: So that'll do it for this week. As always, you can get all the episodes, everything you need to know, RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. That'll redirect you to our Twitter page, where we just got 1,000 followers. We finally did it. Uh, a lot of them are other podcasts and non-people, but I didn't pay for any of them, so they're all legitimate, <laughs> organic followers. We unlike... have quite
2: a few f- legends, though, on there as well.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, Sean, Dr. Sean Stasiak, yeah. chiropractor.
2: We have the, uh, the legendary... One and only, world's most dangerous announcer, Gary Michael Capetta.
1: So, yeah, we're bringing in all the stars. We are. Patrick, where can they find you on the internets?
2: Patrick Young on Facebook or Patrick Young Wrestling. It'll pull me up. See me and Tommy Dreamer, Stevie Richards there. And, uh... You can always shoot me a message anything you want to know anything you want to hear anything you want us to talk about on the uh, on the podcast here we will gladly cover it and we're more than welcome to uh if you have something you want to discuss we're more than welcome to try to work in that to see if we can figure it out we're we're here we are the people's podcast oh so good to know yeah. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always. My closing line's a clothesline. Bingo bango.